Welcome to the Artist Podcast, the podcast for the visual artist. I'm your host, Hugo von Skalkwerk. Now, I'm not a professional artist. I'm a part-time leather worker and a full-time UX designer. But I love art, and I love talking to artists. With this podcast, I hope to introduce you to artists, whether they do it professionally or for themselves. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our Patreon, who helps make this podcast possible. Thank you to Cocosita. And if you like this podcast and would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com forward slash artists podcast. There you'll learn how you can get your name or brand name called out at the beginning of the show. In this episode, we talk to Vilna Stradom. Vilna is a ceramicist from Pretoria. If you would like to see some of the art that we discuss, head on over to www.artistspodcast.co.za. There you will find all the details. Hello, Vilna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hugo. Tommy, you are a ceramicist. Yes. What exactly does that entail? That basically entails that I don't do pottery per se. So the big, the big um, division comes where pottery is mostly um, clay that is usable like um, teapots and cups and plates and all those things. And ceramic basically, um, ceramics basically bridges the divide and it goes to art. So the type of ceramics that I specialize in is also not very common and commonly known. Um, so they, uh, um, some people have even called it like a, a modern type of um, ceramics, my take on ceramics as is. Great stuff. Tell us a bit about the history. Where do you come from? Um, I come from Pretoria. I've lived and stayed here my entire life. So nothing interesting there. <laughs> I very much doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> and was your parents creative? My parents are extremely creative. And I think it, I think it is a, um, it was always a juggle between being creative and actually having to sort stuff out to survive, you know. Um, so I can remember I basically grew up in my dad's garage. So there we, we turned wood, we fixed basic electrical stuff. If we had to paint something, we painted it. And on my mother's side, if you wanted a new duvet, you know, you had to, to make it. So um, it, it was going to the store and choosing um, fabrics and then making it, but not just she making it. They taught me the whole time how to do all these things so I'm left with rather and they also forced you to or or forced me to um, express myself through what I chose as well and how I wanted to make it so I ended up having a lot of skills in terms of things that I can make the way that I look at things is very it's very practical um look at at the world actually as it is because I have to take that back so that's some of my earliest memories are being in the garage or being somewhere and we are making something unique or something that we chose so definitely um, that did play a, a huge role it does play a huge role in how I see my work as well 
when I um, do my ceramics. Of all the things, did you did you gravitate towards ceramics immediately, or how did you get to ceramics? No, it's actually very funny. I I didn't. The, the, it's actually when I was small, I played with like sand and stuff like that, but never clay. So it's actually a, a rather new thing. It was a couple of years ago. Um, my husband and I went for um, for breakfast. And we passed this gallery and they had um, a lot of ceramic works, pottery as well, but ceramic works. And I walked through there and I'm like, this looks so amazing to do. And um, the lady walked up to me and she's like, listen here, but we're giving classes. You are more than welcome to come. So that's actually, it was a stroke of luck, me falling into ceramics. Because that's how it started. It wasn't a gravitation towards it. It's I wanted to do something that I loved or that I love. And unfortunately, my day job did not provide that for me. So um, that's, how, that's how my ceramic journey started. It was just walking into a shop and saying, listen here, but this looks fantastic. And starting um, to do it, yeah. What did you do for a day job? Um, at that moment, I had my own company and we did BE legislation, basically getting companies ready to um, be BE compliant. That was my day job. So at the time you were an entrepreneur and you were actually having your own company and then you swapped over to, uh, into art. Basically, yes. Was it I've a clean always cut? Been an yeah. Sorry? Was it a clean cut? Did you go directly from, no. from the, uh, the business into the art immediately or did it go over a couple of years? No, it actually, it, it happened very quickly, but um, how, how my company was structured um, is that it takes time. So you don't spend one month with a client or one meeting with a client. It takes a couple of years for them to get ready. So I couldn't just leave the clients. So I actually started doing the ceramics and getting into it and just starting to um, scale down and then finishing up clients that, that I had. And I'm actually still busy doing that. Did you set up like an entire studio or did you like work from another studio? Because I mean, the, the capital layout to, to start up a kiln and all the stuff for a studio, that's, that's quite heavy, isn't it? It is quite daunting and um, the capital loud as well. So I started off working at a, um, a teaching studio. Um, I was there for, I think, about a year. Um, I spent there and then I said, listen, yeah, this, this is not working for me um, because I, I love being alone. <laughs> I love doing things my way and everything. So we actually um, we said, okay, let's do this, my husband and I. And he said, okay, let's buy a kiln, let's do all of that. And then you have to get your power ready and everything. So it was a big decision for us and obviously for me to leave my other job, which I was quite, I'm quite good at. But um, this was where I found myself and where I found happiness. Um, so um, he's very supportive and we just said, okay, let's do this. And we started off actually with a bigger kiln, but then our house's power couldn't take it. 
So we had to exchange the nice, lovely big kiln for a much smaller one and things like that. But all the, but with all the hiccups and everything out of the way, it's fantastic working from here because I love my home and I love the feeling that I get when I'm inside here. And um, yeah, we got all of that going. And because it, it was the little kiln and all those things, the capital layout was not that big. But because I love playing with um, glazes and things like that, that is quite expensive. So as months go on, I would um, buy more and more and more. It wasn't just starting off and having everything. I've been fooling around with the ceramics as well in my past. And when uh, when I start talking to ceramicists, they normally talk about either they, the guy who does the, the, the shape or they would be the person who would be fooling around with the glazes and it seems like you do both you do the shape and the glazes um i didn't know about how many i mean do you fool around with glazes in the level where you actually mix your own glazes and test that out with I different do, firings? i do play around with them definitely um because it's it's basically a chemical process and that fascinates me and and what i get out as well when you start playing with it when you start mixing glazes, it's just this another level of experience that you get to go through and that your your artwork gets to to experience, you know, gets to be part of. So um, now I definitely play around with glazes. I will not call myself good at it yet or anything like that, but so I do love playing around with the glazes, but then the shape as well. The, the mm -hmm. stuff that I saw from you, it seems almost like it comes out of the sea. It's got this rich, um, like, like I'm going to say knobbly and bobbly shapes that comes all over the place. And it's uh, tentacles uh, that peels out. So it's, it's very organic shapes that you come up with. Yes, organic is, is what I love. And you'll be surprised, a lot of this I make on the farm. So the farm is in um, Bella Bella and it's a game farm, basically. So a lot of those shapes that um, inspires me, those organic shapes as well, come from there. It's very interesting to me that you mentioned the sea because shapes um, repeat themselves in nature. So I would go to a log that's rotting away and this log would have the most amazing, um, like, things growing on it. And a lot of those things as well are very similar to your, 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 your sea, um, what do you call it, corals and things like that. So it's quite, it's, it's very interesting for me to know that people, when they look at it, they see this, they see sea and organic and everything, but... It's not only organic, but I do something very strange. People have told me I, um, I do something very strange. When I take a piece of clay, I'll take it in my hands, I'll squish it around, and I'll ask it, what do you want to be? And then people laugh, and they think it's very funny. But I do allow the clay to form itself and to guide me what it wants to be and I think following a process like that allowing the medium to guide you as well gives the end product 
it's something that is very organic, very natural feeling, um, all those types of things, because it's not forced. I do not force my clay. You know, the, the big thing about ceramists, or not ceramists, but potters, is they want to replicate something the whole time. For me, that's an absolute no, because not one piece of clay wants to be the same as another one. So I, I let the clay dictate, basically, that it does not want to be the same and it wants to be something different. So I can just sit and just almost zone and just my fingers go and I feel the way it wants to move. How, how tall that is, does it want to be today? How um, fast can I work with it today? You know, so many, there's so many aspects of it that, that I allow my medium to guide me with as well um, in the whole process. But I think that also has a big um, influence on the shape of my works. You talk about mindfulness in your ceramics. Is this what you meant by that, where you'd actually allow the, the medium to dictate how, how it's going to be shaped? Exactly. Exactly. That is part of the process. Obviously, you, you have to come in and you have to be, be part of the process, but it's not a one-way conversation. This is a conversation that you're having. This is a relationship that you're having. Some pieces you work on so long that you feel you, you know each other. You know, it's, um, yeah, so that's definitely where the mindfulness comes in to be able to know when the clay says, listen here, you're pushing me too far and I'm not going to go there um, or give me some time or something like that. So you have to, you can't just go on and on and on and on. That's not how it works. You have to be able then to be mindful, to be able to pick those things up. So definitely, that's where mindfulness comes in. I, I've come up uh, as, a, as a sculptor working in uh, wood carving. And in wood carving, I would put the wood down and I would be walking around the piece of wood for like a couple of hours or so until I see something inside the wood. And then I just release it. So you would carve away the pieces from the wood to that will actually do that. And I actually moved away from that into this um, into ceramics because I felt that I had a lot more control where it was me dictating to the clay what it should be doing. And I was never I never thought to actually listen to what the clay wanted to do. Yes, it is a, it it is truly um a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> because bit weird, people right. think, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm holding this, I have the power, you know, but yeah. <laughs> You have it, but to only to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, then you don't have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was interested when I when I uh, when I first came across your work. Uh, it was on Instagram, and I saw these these pieces, and I thought to myself, "Wow, those are awesome!" And then um, you were here at the Wurtfest, and then I saw your work for real in real life, and they are so much smaller than I thought they were. Yes, they they are they are small and. Um, the thing that clay does, their clay dictates as well. It dictates a lot. Clay does not want to be big. It does not want to be too big or anything like that. It weakens the structure, et cetera, et cetera. So what I love doing is taking all these little parts, all these little things, and putting it together and making something big. So I would, for instance, if 
if a piece of artwork is two, two meters by, let's say, 50 um, centimeters, then I would throw in about 150 small pieces to do that one big one. Because what I see through that is also, again, very organic. You don't get a lot of things in life at all that's only one thing. It's a mixture of all these little things working together and the synergy between them that makes this bigger picture. And that's something that I really enjoy doing is taking smaller objects and putting them together and letting them tell a story through how they are placed together. I, um, I, I, I spent quite a, a bit of time on placing these, um, these ceramic objects that I make to tell a story and to express a feeling and um, evoke a feeling within one when you look at it um, that I don't think that a lot of ceramic works can do by itself because it's not a canvas. Um, you can't roll out a big piece and then just start doing things on it. Clay does not allow that. So there again, the medium dictates or have dictated to me, listen here, you, this is how those types of things work. So when I work on a wall as well, because those things that you saw was a wall installation. So wall installation as well can't be too heavy. So if that was one piece of clay, it would weigh a ton. <laughs> because it's these smaller pieces that you can actually allow yourself to, to go on a wall, to express your artistic vision through placing it on a wall and not only having a sculpture standing somewhere on a table or something like that. So that's also something that I wanted to do. I wanted to work on the wall. On a wall so and then I said okay how am I going to do this and then you let the clay guide you to say listen here th this is the way I can make that happen the pieces of work that you that I saw had all a bunch of tiny little pieces that collated together into one piece but that piece were kind of, uh, kind of tiny but then it bit that tiny piece became one of a lot of these tiny pieces to became quite a large piece and if you if you uh, approached your and I'm only thinking about the word face because that was the the one that I saw um, in life, uh, the entire piece had a, a whole narrative connected to it, combined with colours, if I remember correctly. Yes, so I love I love telling a story, and um, word face especially um, I used uh, uh, um, the narrative that I used was basically focused on four colors as well as characteristics within each color. So the other thing I love doing, of course, is rationalizing and getting stories, getting my artwork to speak to me and me speaking to it. So I don't have anything that doesn't have a name or a story or something like that because it's just, it's, it's not doing justice then to the artwork. So those ones specifically, I love telling a story through color, through movement, through the, the combination or the construction then um, of these conceptual ideas and then telling that 
Um, so that is definitely something that I love doing. And I love using color because the color aspect for me is life is so dark. And I think my, um, my background um, is because it's political um, science and international relations, it can become very dark, especially in times like we have now. It's, it's, very, it's very somber. So I love color because it makes me happy. You'll never see me wearing color, but you'll see, <laughs> you'll see it in my artwork and focal points in my home and things like that. But it makes me happy and I want people to look at my art and I want it to make, I want them to be happy when they see it. And that's something that I didn't really decide um, consciously. I just realized the one day I'm like, I'm making all these incredibly colorful things that make you excited and things like that, emotions that it draws out of you. And I don't, and that was not really my intention doing this. Um, but it just, it just happened naturally. So I just, I'm just sticking with it. Absolutely. Love the, the, the one piece that I saw there, it was these little round knobs that had it like a, um, almost like a, again, back to the sea, sea and enemy feel, but it had the most rich red color. And there were two tiles of these little things that I saw, and I, I completely loved it. And then when I came back to it, it was all sold out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, people love red, so uh, the red the, the red works <laughs> went pretty quickly. Tell me, um, uh, if you go back to the, you said you uh, your your history is political science. So how did that happen? <laughs> Like the rest of my life, um, it, it, it happened. Like everyone, probably, you go to the person, they do these tests with you, and they say, okay, this is what you're going to become. So they told me I have to be a financial um, analyst. Or, sorry, not analyst. It's basically where you audit and you see where there's trouble somewhere, things like that. So it's mathematical and things like that. So I just thought, listen, I'm going to kill myself if I have to do that each day because maths is, it doesn't make me happy. I can do it, but it doesn't make me happy. So changing my, my mind last minute was quite tough. So um, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, um, basically took me to one of those ladies sitting there and we went through the book and he was like, and he was <laughs> looking at what, um, what can you become with one um, with these degrees? And the one he saw was a diplomat, and he's like, "Oh, you'll be such a good <laughs> diplomat. Go and study international relations." <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh, this sounds fantastic. I want to be a diplomat." So I go, I went to study it, and um, I, I actually did extremely well. Um, see, politics is also. I cannot say that my work now is devoid from it or removed from it. Um, I'm really passionate about it. I'm really good at it. But what I also had, I had international relations, political science, organizational psychology, and public administration. So those are the, the four fields I specialized in. And I must say that those gave me a very specific way, especially um, organizational psychology and political science, gave me a very specific way of viewing the world 
and viewing everything in it. And I think that is something that makes my view, and then it um, translates to my art as well, is I view it in a very specific manner. And it's very interesting for me when I have to explain my art. I have to explain my art um, sometimes. Um, but that people can then see this rationalization behind it. And I think that is what makes me quite unique, especially in this field, because I didn't study arts. So when I look at something, I see something completely different than the artist maybe intended or that they did not even realize. So that for me is, is wonderful as well. Um, having this different type of, of look at the world and everything in it. And then art, of course, is such an expression. And it's, it's such an expression of the times that you cannot even um, take art and politics and pull them apart because they are interlinked as well. So um, I do think even though people would say that this has nothing to do with one another, it actually does complement one another very, very well. Very well. What I did find out and I was wondering about this now is you got the international relations, you got this on the, the ability to, to connect with people in the, like the political sense. And if I look at the way that you're conducting yourself online with uh, Instagram and Facebook, you are very active and... and uh, I don't know, how do you strong in the way that you seem to be connecting with people on the online? Did those connect with each other? Do you know it? It does in a big way. Um, I found myself having a very big international following on Instagram because I think because <clears throat> the language that one uses and what I mean. Okay, what I mean by the language that one uses is basically. How you tell something, how you tell a story, how you relate yourself to other people, to other things. I think with the international relations background, that has come through very, very well because I think it's very, um, it's for me, it comes naturally to talk to everyone and not just talk to South Africans or talk to a specific group, but basically resonate with a lot of people. And I think that that does, that does definitely have an influence there. And I, of course, I love when people just say, oh, I live here and can I get your work here somewhere? And then I'm like, no, I'm not there. Uh, you are part of the, like you in Pretoria, but you're staying on a farm. No, we, we have a game farm as well that um, we go to over weekends or for holidays and things like that. But no, I, I still live here. I still okay. live in Pretoria. Are you part of the, like, the Pretoria art scene at the moment? Or do you know people from there? No, definitely. I, 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 I'm part of Ceramics SA here. And then the um, Pretoria Art Gallery. So definitely supporting everyone. And keeping up to date with all the events. And everything that's going on. And yeah, no, definitely. I love the art scene. How strong is the, the ceramic scene there? The ceramic scene, you know, I can't, I can't really compare it with Cape Town because you guys there have, like, amazing stuff going on and there's just this very big movement, like ceramic movement there at the moment that's not as prevalent, um, as prevalent here, sorry, 
um, as it is um, as it is there, um, it's a lot more pottery. Let me call it pottery here. <laughs> you have a lot more pottery here, um, and not truly ceramics. But but yeah, no, I think you guys definitely have much more of a ceramic vibe and push there than we have here. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, it's it's quite fascinating. The moment I started, I did a little video about the um, the Ronnebosch ceramics market, and uh, the amount of people that actually had really uh, very good positive feedback from that from the ceramic guys, and especially when I I did my ceramic um, the moment as well because I did the sculpting and ceramics, and there's a lot of people that could help you out and tell you how to do things and, and show you the way. Yo, that's not the case here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the place that you went to to get your get a start in ceramics, uh, who was that? Anna-Marie Lerou. So she worked in the studio and she was my teacher and she is absolutely fantastic. The thing that I, I love about her, um, she let you do what you want to do. She lets you express what you want to express. She's not one of those teachers. Some of the other teachers didn't um, work for me because they tell you, listen here, now you are going to do this or you're going to do that or you can't do this or you can't do that. She, she doesn't say, no, you can't. She said, okay, you're going to try and <laughs> if you don't make it work, it's not going to work. But she is extremely um, positive. She makes you um, learn and she's extremely knowledgeable about, and Clay's actually, um, ceramics is not her first um, medium. She's actually a painter, um, but she's just incredibly, she's an incredible artist in the way that she can also give her, she gives a piece of herself to you, which I think is very noble um, of her to do. I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very selfish when it comes to that. I don't like doing that, but she, she really does it, and she, she just elevates you in a way that you had no idea you could go or you could be, and that for me was just fantastic about her. So I actually still see her. I have private classes with her, um, and she, she, she helps me when I'm like, okay, I want to do this, and I don't know how, and and things like that, then she can just come in and say, okay, let's, let's do this, you know. But she's extremely positive, and I think um, a great deal of where I am and how fast I've grown, because I've grown very fast um, if you, in comparison to other ceramists as well. Um, but I think a great deal to that is um, I can give to her because she just encourages you so much that you, you – you can't, you can't not grow spectacularly under her. How long have you been doing the ceramics thing? I mean, they're like professionally now. You're going to laugh. It's been since, you know, 20, you're 20 2016. I think it was about, yeah, you know, 2016. I think it was about September 2016 that I first picked up clay. Oh, wow. For the very first Jeez. time. Doing very well because I went online to go and look for who and what you are and what you do. It doesn't seem like it's that new. Uh, you seem like you've been around for a while, and and the the type of stuff that you do is really good. Uh, thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> no <And> problem. 
The other thing I want to ask you, uh, I see that you've been doing some uh, collaboration uh, with Pierre that you work with. Yes, with Pierre Larish. Yes, that was that was amazing. That was he. He's such an amazing artist, and he can just take something and just like, yeah, let's do this and just move forward. So we met at Wordfest as well. And um, he did work on migration, and we actually talked a bit about it. And now, knowing my background, I I had a very I have a very good um, idea of migration and how it works and everything involved in it. So we we definitely connected there. And he just said, "Listen here, but let's do something." So we actually finished the work, and I just um, dropped it off at Art Alive this afternoon. Our collaboration work. And it was just absolutely fantastic to work with him because he's so well known and and his mediums are so different as well. And but he's a fantastic person. That was just great to work with him. Yeah. So he did the uh, the wooden uh, wooden chairs, and there was this box. I think that was the crate which he he had the chair inside and playing solitaire and. Uh, there was a solitaire. And I was like, I was fascinating. I was looking at this stuff and I was so impressed. But did he not do those um, big bells as well? He did do the big bells as well, and we actually spoke about it when we went to 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 his exhibition the day, the um the opening. Um, he did a, a porcelain slip cast with the bells, and he, and he actually used the same um shape as it was used um in slave trading and those types of things um, that was fascinating because i i looked at those slip casting and there were some pretty impressive pieces of casting that he did there i mean the, the there was a couple of broken ones which worked very well with it but it was very well you know what he actually broke those on purpose really? so he would ring them yes he he would ring them until they broke so that he could mend it back together that I did not know. I thought he broke. Uh, it broke on uh, during the casting process. No, he actually, and it was, and he told me it was quite a struggle <laughs> because porcelain is hard. So yeah, yeah. What, did he did he break it after it was already fired? Yes. Wow. He that finished so cool. the piece and he rung it and rung it and rung it until it broke. And then he, he fixed that back together. The um, when when we went, uh, we went a couple of times, and the one day the lady that actually um, was taking us through the the gallery, she took us uh, to his his pieces, and she actually um, uh, uh, wrapped on the side of the one bell with the knuckle, and it it caused this perfect ring, and it was so beautiful. And then there was another one that was, um, I think it was one of the fixed ones. Also, she just uh, knocked it slightly and it, and it it had a very dull sound it, it, the moment it's broken there is no sound out of it yeah because the the molecular the molecular structure is basically broken then so it, it's the sound on ceramics is influenced as when it breaks you, there's there's no getting that sound back again if you make a clock or if you make um Oh, sorry, a bell. If you make a bell or anything for that matter, the sound totally changes when it breaks and you mend it back together again. Okay. So, uh, we've now spoken about um, Pierce, uh, the collaboration. Have you ever collaborated with anybody else before? Um, I'm 
busy with one at the moment, but I can't talk about okay, it. No problem. You don't need to get you in trouble now. <laughs> no, no, no. Peer was my first collaboration. Yeah, which is, I think it's fantastic to, to work with such a um, acclaimed artist. Yes. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, it sounds like you really enjoyed it and you're willing to do more. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. When I have time, <laughs> but definitely. <laughs> you know i love this that's one thing i can say i love this and i think that is for me that's motivation enough i just love it yeah i mean and i love loving stuff <laughs> <laughs> so loving this is just it just works for me it 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 really does, yeah. You know. And I think people they pick it up in my work as well. I had my first exhibition at a gallery here near us. It was a pop-up gallery the day. And um Alex Hamilton was there the day. That's actually how Wordfears got started. Uh our relationship there. And he could see this happiness in my work. That's that's something that he loved. Um that that not somber or anything else, but just this happiness. And I think it really, it um, it shows and it keeps me motivated and it keeps me, I'm just so happy. There's no other words than just saying, listen here, this, it makes me super happy. Because you've come from a, 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 a the completely like corporate um, world and now you're in this one. There's something in the, in the other world that you're missing or not really? Do you know... <laughs> Maybe the one thing is screaming at people. Or screaming at people. Is that <laughs> what you're missing? Did you like screaming at people? Yeah. Yes, and I just had to scream at random people. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> what on earth did no. you do for a living? Wow. <laughs> no, uh, no, but I, I, I do love screaming at people. But um, there's, there's some things that I like... Because I can just tell them, listen here, yeah, I'm going on vacation, whatever, leave me alone. So I've I've gone into more of my my personal time, um, but that's about it. Um, but also just as far as I allow it to go. So I'm um, I'm quite set on controlling myself or limiting myself in those aspects. So that's but the big thing is. Yeah, shouting at people and then really and um, also telling people what to do. So now I have to tell myself what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, 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 the majority part of my work was basically saying, okay, this is your company. This is how you have to structure it. This is what you're going to do here, there, 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 there. And then basically walking away. So now I have to I have to do what I say. So that's new for me as well. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. Your um, the work that you uh, currently do. How how is your hours look like? When do you do what? It's quite tough. Um, luckily, I work from home. So in the mornings, it's get everything ready and everyone off to where they need to go, and then from there. I come to my studio and I sit here and I actually, I have, um, I'm quite structured in that way. I have a whiteboard with all the work that I need to do on. And then also within that, there's timelines and things as well. 
and then I stick to that. So it does take some days you do work long, um, but you know, long hours and so forth and late night firings and things like that. But um, I work to a strict schedule that works for me. So I always try to stay with that. And then I know everything will be done in time and it will, and I, I give myself enough time to let myself experience the creative process and the conceptualization and all those things that come with it. Um, I do not force those things. I actually give myself a reasonable amount of time to to deal with those things. So yeah, but but a strict schedule is is, is what one needs. Otherwise. You're going to do either too much or too little, and there's not going to be a big, a, a good balance. Mm. If you fool around with the clay, do you ever get come towards the clay with a set idea and say, "This is where I'm going with it"? Is it always the case where you allow the clay to talk to you to do whatever it needs to do? No, definitely. You have to go and sit down sometimes and say, "Listen, yeah, this is what I want to do." Um, if the clay allows you, because sometimes it does not, and then it's an epic fail, and you just have to squish everything back, and then you're like, oh, I wasted two hours. But, <laughs> but um, no, no, you, you have to go and sit and say, listen, I'm, I'm working on this now. This is what it is, so this is what I need. Um, but for the conceptual process, and when I start with something new, I do give myself a lot of times um, and time, and I do then allow the clay to dictate a, consider, a considerable amount um, when I start with something new. So when it will be a continuation of, let's say I need 150 little things, the first part of it will be the talking, the feeling, mindfulness behind it, and then type of a repetition after that but keeping it interesting as well I don't like having two things ever ever being the same so keeping it interesting keeping it alive keeping it moving so it's just it's more of a play after that after the initial um, construction and feeling and everything coming up then it's more just the play of it and what I want to do with it and things like that Okay, that's the first part of the process. And then um, take me through to the end until you get to where the final product. Okay, so ceramics takes a lot of time. So when you make it, it has to dry out, number one. So for instance, we're in winter now, so nothing's drying. So I have to have a fan on it, <laughs> indirect fan, um, not direct. So, I'm laughing because um, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it and you're like, no, this can't be. But on the other hand, the kiln cools down quickly. So, okay, so you, the process is basically you make, it dries, and then um, I usually do uh, underglaze or underglazes. Um, most of my work is a minimum of four to eight underglazes that I apply with, yes, with different techniques and stuff. So that takes a considerable amount of time 
So for people who don't know, underglaze basically means you have to fire that thing once and then you fire it again and then you fire it again for four times. And that um, is, am I right in saying that? So I am, um, okay, so basically, yes, you do a bisque fire before you paint, then you paint and then it fires and then you do a glaze fire. So it's three firings. And then if you, if you add luster, which I do to most of my work, um, 24 karat gold, it's another firing. So then it's four firing. Okay, okay. I was under the, because uh, I was in the impression that the underglaze you would do, uh, I don't know much about lasers. I never went that route. I was just fooled around with the shapes of it. Um, but I thought you had to fire it every single time you do an underglaze. No, no, no. You can do all of them and then fire it. Okay. So... Okay. That yes, makes it a lot yes. easier than I thought, but that's still, it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of time. And then again, my organic shapes is not always so lovely to paint. So it, it, it is quite challenging sometimes, but I play around then with under glazes. Okay, so I'll start with making and then it has to dry. So that, that can be anywhere between one week and a month for product to dry. Then it needs to be underglazed, and then I can either glaze over the underglaze as well. And with glaze, I don't mean the transparent glaze, but but other glazes that I play around with as well. And that's usually what I do as well as I play around with glazes on top of the underglazes. So that's why you get these layers and you get the movements and all of that. Um, that really indicates it yeah so then it is glazed and then after the glazing or then the transparent glaze if it gets a luster firing as well so then it's just putting on the pure gold basically it's just a mixture that keeps it in suspension put that on and each each firing takes about a week at a time and because it has two get up to temperature and then it has to cool down so every time you you do a firing it it everything in there goes through a chemical process not only to get up to um, temperature but basically to get down as well um, it goes through other chemical processes to harden the clay etc etc so after the luster then then i get to my composition so i'll do my composition work while i am making um whatever i'm doing like okay this is how i want to do it or if it's just like a single piece like you spoke about the the black wall tiles that i made as well of then done but otherwise then the composition starts and that takes anything from one month to three months depending on what you're doing, depending how large it is, the work is. So then it gets, you have to pack everything out. You have to purchase, I, I love working on Perspex. So um, you have to purchase the Perspex and do everything on it until I'm happy. The thing is, I don't let something go until I'm happy. So um, I, I have clients now in Michigan and they're like, Bob, I sent me our work. And I'm just like, no, you have to wait. And I, at long last, I've just got the composition just perfect. I'm so in love with it. I have to be in love with the work before I let it go out of the studio. Otherwise, it doesn't go. Um, 
And then also like the, the work for Takara I'm doing now is a seven meter installation for one installation artwork for one piece as well. So the bigger one piece is um, the more time it takes. So that is quite challenging then as well. So that process can be quite long as well. And then it is fixed and then it is um, fixed onto the perspex. And then from there it's packaged and couriered. And then some of the times I do the installation myself. So I fly down or I fly or I drive wherever I need to go and I do the installation as well. Have you ever had a time where when you shipped it and they got there and it broke in the shipping? No. <laughs> now I am so paranoid. I am a master packer. Oh wow. I'm very glad. <laughs> so so I buy I buy new boxes according to specifications and then I build my own polystyrene boxes that my artwork goes in. So my artwork goes in the polystyrene box that I made. Then there's peanut chips around it. Or no, no. First there's um, um, bubble wrap around it, and then peanut chips, and then it goes into the wow. box. That entire thing that you shipped from uh, for the Wordfest, you had to ship all the way from Pretoria down here. And was it was it with courier? Did you drive it down? Did you fly it down? How did you get? It was a courier company. So I, I, all of that and the boxes are clearly marked, breakable, do not stack, everything like that. And then a, a death threat comes with, um, for the courier company, if, if, if anything was to be broken. <laughs> no, so, so thankfully nothing is broken so far, but I do take extreme measures um, not to let that happen. How do you market your work? I must say that... Um, Wordfest gave me a great platform to to um, because since I've done that, I've basically not marketed my work at all, and I've just been approached um, by galleries, by um, people that that want artwork, commission works, and so forth. Actually, at the moment, I'm not doing anything from my side. My book for this year is full. Actually, to February next year, it's full. And then um, I have to pick between them, which is very nice and lovely for artists to be able to do that and say, listen, sorry, I can't do yours, but I'll do yours and, and things like that. So that for me is very, very nice. And the, yeah, no, the exposure that I got at Boerdfest was just amazing. So if, you're, if the galleries are approaching you, are they saying, we want a piece this by this big? Or do they say, I want something red, it must look like that, and it must fit over there? How do they approach you? It depends. Um, some of them um, would say, okay, listen here, our clientele are more traditional. So they would like a, a ceramic vessel, say, for instance, that they can put down somewhere. Others would come and say, listen, here, you, your work on the wall is something like this. So we'd love to have you for this. And they'll either give a space or give the whole studio, <laughs> the whole gallery, things like that. So it, it, it depends completely on, 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 on what they want. And then they, they basically ask for what they want. Did you sell online at all? 
No, not yet, because I don't have any surplus work. (laughs) (laughs) You really are in a good place as an artist. (laughs) I know. Now, I'd love to sell um, online, um, but at the moment, everything that gets made is either a commission or it's for something. So there's nothing laying around, if I can put it like that. I'd love to have a couple of things that my work can go out and can can go maybe places that um, that I haven't been to yet. Um, for instance, a great amount of my followers are also in Japan. They are taught basically, you know, their ceramic work, their pottery work. It's absolutely amazing. It's perfection over and over again. So me doing what I do is for them, it's absolutely mind-blowing because it's just so organic and basically a no-no for them as well but they're very fascinated by it so I know if I would put something online that it will find a home I know it will so I'm also trying to work in having surplus items so that I can um, put it out there and for people listening here but if you want something as well here's what I have so I'd love to do that I just need some more time in a day. <laughs> Assuming, uh, considering the the medium that you work with, the, the it, it's a lot of time that's spent waiting. Uh, the uh, you work with the, the several projects at the same time. Yes, yes, I do. What are you working on at the moment? I am now focusing on Takara's work, Takara's commission work, because it's seven meter um, work. I um, that and then a secret one I cannot disclose. <laughs> at the moment, I'm working on those two primarily at the moment, yes. And another thing is, uh, do you have two artists that you would like to give a shout out to? Somebody that we probably won't know of. No, Hugo, I, I don't know. The people I know are famous. I'm the not famous one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> give, us, give us two artists, no matter if they're famous or not. Okay, I have to give a huge shout out to Alex Hamilton. He's just absolutely mind-blowing. The man's vision is just something else, really, truly something else. And I know his wife supports him, Zelda. Um, they are just an amazing team, and they are... I, I love him as an artist and because he's so much he's so much more as well. And then who would I give the other shout out to? While you wait for that one, we just went to his latest exhibition, Asylum, at his uh, at his studio. We went there yesterday. <gasps> oh what's it? I want to go so bad. <laughs> that was so cool. And he did this whole thing where um, well, he found, uh, I, I didn't know the backstory, so I only learned it when, when I got there yesterday. And he did this whole thing with uh, uh, curtains that was found like old. Uh, hospital hospital curtains. Yeah. Oh. It is such an amazing uh, work that, that was actually displayed um, there. And, and his studio, I mean, you've been to his studio, right? Yes, yes, this I have. Pace I is love it. insane. Imagine you could have a space <laughs> like that for your studio. I was drooling oh, at the mouth. I was just love it. <laughs> No, I'd love it because we don't have spaces like that here, unfortunately. And Cape Town, you guys are super lucky 
to be able to have industrial spaces as well, um, to have these types of things. We don't have it here. Um, so it's quite challenging for, for me to now grow my studio as well because we don't have those options. So you guys are very, very lucky there. But his studio is amazing. Uh, so yeah, we had a we had a wonderful time. So what's the next artist that you want to talk about? Okay, the next one I want to talk about is Pierre Lerich because yeah, because he was here. Um, yeah, he actually came to me so that we could finish the um, collaboration, and he's busy with so much amazing work. It's also secret, of course, that he's waiting on a confirmation for. Just next level. I love it. I love his attitude. I love the way that he approaches things. It's just, it was just such a pleasure. I have to give a shout out to him. And I feel very humble with these people. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to link through um, both Pierre and Alexis' um, uh, the websites and uh, social medias on the, our website, the Artists Podcast, www dot artistspodcast.co.za and then we'll link through to all of them and if you want to go and find out who we are talking about go and check them out they are awesome really worth a shout out for where can we find you okay you can find me on instagram it's vilma stridum ceramics yes okay. stridum ceramics and that is your instagram is that your uh, uh, facebook as well Yes, it is. Okay. Bulma Stratum Ceramics. If you don't know how it's spelled or anything, go and check out the website. And it's all going to be linked there. Oh, perfect. Thank you so fantastic. much. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Bulma. This was fantastic. I had such a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. If you're down to get down again, we'll have a good chat. Oh, perfect. Perfect. No, definitely. Thank you so much, Hugo. Cool, cool. Do you think this show is worth a cup of coffee? If you do, we would love to have it. And now there's a way for you to do just that. With Patreon, you can help us out for as little as a cup of coffee per month. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash artists podcast or www.artistspodcast.co.za where you can find out how to help us out. And if you have a business and would like to advertise your gallery or brand for the price of a pizza, I will call out your name at the beginning of the show. So go on to patreon.com forward slash artists podcast or www.artistspodcast.co.za.